All right, how are we doing? Good. Awesome. Good. We live? You guys ready? Yep. Yeah. I'm ready. Yep. I haven't preached for three and a half weeks. <laughs> Four weeks, whatever it's been. It's good to be with you. I'm away next week. I'm at New Nature. Don't worry though, we've got Jen Tromp bringing the word and she's going to shred. It's going to be awesome. She's going to, Dean's like, she's a good woman. <laughs> Raise some good kids. <laughs> hey, let's pray. Thank you, Father. Help everyone in this room just to know that I'm right. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you're doing already. We thank you for lives being touched and impacted. We just thank you for your kingdom that is advancing, that is increasing. And we thank you that you are on the throne and you are just laughing at the plans of the enemy. We thank you for what you want to do here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit uh, on a subject that's pretty common around here, but uh, we're going to go, we're going to probably start, or I'm going to start a little bit of a series, and our main passage will be out of Isaiah 61 uh, this morning. We'll jump around a little bit, but Isaiah 61 is where we'll be and where we'll um, kind of kick off from. And uh, I was just praying this morning and just spending time with the Lord, and uh, I just heard the Lord say, we're the king's kids with the, in the king's domain with a king-sized dream. And I just really feel like we need to actually grab a hold of what the, that actually means. Because how many know that, just think about the Pharisees, right? They've studied the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. They would have studied all the prophets. They would have had a really good understanding of uh, scripture. And then the one that they're studying comes on the scene and they miss him. And so they studied, they studied the book, but they never actually recognised the author when he rocked up. Because they, they were so thought that he was going to come in military might that they missed it. They thought he's going to come and deliver us from the Roman oppression. And when he didn't do that, they were like, well, surely that's not the Messiah. And so, uh, and I'd like to propose that... Possibly the church for the last at least 200 years has had a rescue me out of this hellhole mindset and you've missed the role of extending the kingdom of God. I really believe that. I really believe that the church in predominantly has been come and rescue me Jesus and then we've been ineffective for the kingdom of God because we're busy just waiting for Jesus to return one day. I believe he's coming back. Don't worry. Okay, <laughs> I believe he's coming back. But Jesus said in Matthew 16, he says, Upon this revelation of who I am that Peter had received, he says, I will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And whatever you bind on earth that is bound in heaven and loose on earth what is loosed in heaven. And it, what he's declaring, he's saying, listen, listen, guys, listen, boys, because he's with his disciples. Listen, I'm going to go and I'm going to get the keys of the king's domain. I'm going to get them back. I'm going to go and get the keys of the kingdom back and I'm going to give them to you. 
That's crazy. Luke 19, uh, verse, I think it's verse 10. A lot of translations, it says, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. The original translation is, Jesus came and seek and, to seek and save that which was lost. That's the original. And they, they, they changed it because they couldn't work out. And then the next parable, he's talking about the kingdom. And then previously, he's talking about the kingdom. So the context is the kingdom. And in the middle of it, Jesus says, he came to seek and save that which was lost. Adam and Eve were given a commission to actually till the ground and to, to actually be partakers of the story, be partakers of, uh, in a relational walk with the Lord. He says, be fruitful and multiply. That was before the curse. That was before the curse came in. Now, do, is salvation important? Absolutely. That's, that's not the greatest day in history, the day you get saved, right? But for you, <laughs> the greatest day in history is the cross. But the, the, the point isn't that you get saved so one day you can be rescued. The point is Jesus is like, all right, listen, I'm going to deposit. When the, the, the Jews miss this because they're like, oh, Jesus is going to come. He's going to take over Rome. He's going to set up his, throne, his majesty seat here in Jerusalem because that was the epicenter of humanity. And he starts coming. He says, I've brought my kingdom with me. My kingdom of God is at hand. Fear not, for, fear not, little children, for the kingdom of God is here. Come nigh unto thee, because the kingdom of God. He starts preaching about the kingdom of God. And they're like, yeah, when's the kingdom of God going to be set up? And he's like, slightly different than what you thought. Because the kingdom of God is not, an, it, it, is, it is a re reality, but it's not a physical, just a physical thing. The kingdom of God, he says, is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So he's like, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually deposit me I'm going to deposit me inside of every single person from this moment on that actually believes who I say that I am and I'm going to seek the kingdom into society and into culture so that the, my kings, you and I, my sons and daughters, will transform culture and society to get my kingdom back so that it looks exactly like it looks there. Awesome. Why would he teach us to pray on earth as it is in heaven? That's a strange prayer to pray if he doesn't believe it's possible. It's super strange if he's like, hey, I want you to pray this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and then not believe that. When you get saved, you have the ability with the Lord to bring everything under the rulership of the king. This, this, I'm telling you, this is so important because I meet so many Christians and they're like, and I'm not against this. There is, like, this isn't bad. I'm not having to go with anyone that does this. But they're like, oh, I have my family, I have God, and then I have my family, and then I have my, my business, you know, I have my God, I have church, then I have my family, then I have my business, then I have my friendship circles, then I have my sport, then I have my hobbies, then I have whatever else. Did you know that when you come into the kingdom, you can suck all those things into the kingdom with you? Because it's seek first the kingdom, and then all the things, and righteousness, and then all these things get added. I remember when I worked at Metricon, I worked at Metricon when we started this um, church, Three days a week, went up to four. 
And I didn't particularly love it. It wasn't super stimulating. I, it, was, it, was a, it was a great job and it was a real God thing. But I remember after a few months, I was, I was like, oh man, it's, it's, it's a little bit boring. Like it's a little bit boring. I was, I was working with my stepdad, which was fun. But, but it just was boring. My boss was a strange guy, <laughs> very strange individual. And, and I was like, it's, it's not stimulating my brain. Like, I'm, I'm a little bit bored. I'm a little bit, you know, whatever. And I remember I was walk, used to walk around the factory and I'd do, we'd do odd jobs and different things. And we used to look after all the maintenance on site of about 750 people. So 750 people at head office. And we used to look after all, the, all of them. So we got to talk to a lot of people. And I remember I was walking around and I was like, all right, I'm going to change my attitude because my attitude stinks right now. Right? So remember, I was like, I'm going to change my attitude because I'm the king's kid and I've got to suck this job into the kingdom. Because I'm here for a reason. It's not one day when you're a full-time minister. It's, no, I'm the king's kid and my ministry is in front of me right now and that's Metricon. That's my ministry right now. Right? And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to serve this place how I would serve in the palace of the Lord. That's how I'm going to conduct myself. And that's how I'm going to behave. Right? Because I'm the king's kid and I have the kingdom of God with, within me. And so I'm here to make a difference. Yeah. And so I remember like, so I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent, you know, blah, 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 whatever. I had the moment with the Lord. And I was like, God, I really need, I really need a job that can be flexible and that I can choose my hours and pick and choose my hours because I was still doing ministry at the time and I was traveling and I was doing camps and different things. And so my boss, who is a strange guy, but he pulls me, <laughs> that's kind, he pulls me, into, he pulls me into the office and he says, hey Liam, we really love your work ethic. Do you want to come here? I know you've got ministry stuff. Do you want to pick and choose your days and pick and choose your hours? We'd love to keep, we'd love to keep you, right? And I start laughing and he's like, what are you laughing at? I said, I literally just prayed that prayer like 30 seconds ago. And he's like, oh, well, must be the Lord, eh? You know? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, must be the Lord. That's how he talks. Anyway, so, and uh, anyway, so, and then, you know, we do odd jobs. Like, it's, it was a very odd job, but it was, we'd do all these odd things and different stuff, and we'd move people around. We'd move different desks, you know, people from level three, and we'd do fit-outs and all kinds of stuff. So you get to talk to a lot of people. And we just planted the church, maybe, maybe a month or two the church had been planted, and this girl comes up to me, she lives in Lourdes, and she's like, are you a Christian? And I said, yeah, I, just, I am, I just started a church, and uh, it's called, she goes, yeah, are you the pastor of Glory City, Melbourne? And I said, yeah, yeah, it's, we've just planted the church, is what this church used to be called if you're new here. And, uh, and she said... I knew as soon as I saw you that that guy must believe in the Lord because he's too happy. <laughs> no one in this place is that happy. <laughs> so that, that guy must be, must be a Christian. And, and then I met another guy who he'd lifted, a, um, he'd lifted a, a trailer and when he lifted, it was a three-ton, it was full of uh, wood. He meant to move it. When he lifted it, his whole spine collapsed and he broke his back. And he used to have a, you know, one of those desks that go up and down and he was in a, a seat and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I said to him, I, I listened to his story, a young guy, he just had a brand new baby. And I said, hey, 
can I pray with you that your back would be healed? And he's like, all right. Like, this is what, he was one of the head managers. And, you know, and these, these guys are on, they're on multi-million dollar contracts, these guys. They're super, super big business. And, uh, and so I pray for him. And over the next couple of years, his back got better. He was able to lift his child, right? It, didn't, it wasn't an instantaneous thing. But, and over time, I used to people in the elevator and they're like, oh, it's Rabbi Liam. That's why they call me Rabbi Liam. Right? And that's why I grew a beard. No. But what's my point? So then I'm going to get to, we're going to get to Isaiah 61. It didn't end super great with Metricon when COVID hit. I don't have time to go into the whole story. But they, they did, a, they, it, was a, it was a whole thing that happened. I can't go into it in full detail. But they didn't treat me right. It wasn't, it wasn't right in terms of a legal, actually a legal thing. And I was like, oh, I'm going to fight this. This is worth fighting for, but I'm going to do it in the right way. Yeah, how many know there's a right way to go about things? And so, you know, I went through all the right processes and I just kept my posture and I kept my heart impure, right? And in the end, they ended up giving us a payout that was, they paid us out more than what we were supposed to get because they, well, I think that was partly just to get rid of me. <laughs> but but it, the Lord, the Lord's the one that brings about the increase. It's our role just to bring the kingdom. And, and the church for so long has swapped roles with Jesus and we wonder why the kingdom of God is not advancing and we wonder why our churches are shrinking. We've swapped roles with Jesus. He's building, he's the one that said, I'll build the church, you extend the kingdom, here are the keys. We've swapped roles with Jesus and we're like, how do I make my church better? I think Sammy put it up, Reinhard Bonnke's quote, I love it. It's like, if you, need, if you need coffee and cake to make your church good, then you've lost the Holy Spirit, right? Holy Spirit should be enough. I probably misquoted it wrong, but it's something to that effect, right? If you need lights and, and, and shows and, and things, it's like, no, no. Jesus is enough. He's enough. And we've swapped roles with him. And, and we're like, I've got to build my church. I've got to build the church. I've got to build the church. And no one's out there extending the kingdom of God. And we wonder why our world looks like the way that it does. And our churches are... All right. Turn with me. Isaiah 61. That was free. That wasn't in my <laughs> planned notes. <clears throat> What if, what if he actually meant it when he said your kingdom come and he actually, de- he actually deposited you inside of your workplace, your family, your, the area that you live in, your neighbourhood, whatever it is, to actually have a kingdom dream or a kingdom strategy to actually, like, it's like yeast, it's like leaven, it's like salt. Salt adds flavour to something that doesn't have fl- uh, flavour. It's like light. It's salt, light, and leaven. Light illuminates darkness. Salt adds flavour, and the leaven rises. Whenever Jesus would teach on the kingdom, he, would, it's, he said it's like a little mustard seed that grows into the biggest tree. In the Old Testament, the remnant ones, the ecclesia, were the ones that got shrunk down. Noah, Abraham, Lot, it was the last one. Moses, all these guys, it would be the shrinking down. When Jesus rocks up on the scene, he's one man who takes 12 
who makes it 72, who makes it 120, who makes it 3,000, and then it increases. It's the other way around. Does that make sense? All right. So here, I believe, personally, God's been talking to me about Isaiah 61 for the last six months. I believe Isaiah 61 is this incredible picture of, we know the first part, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to set prisoners free, to give recovery of sight to the blind. You know, it's this whole proclamation of Jesus. It, the anointed one means the, the, the Messiah. And so that, that one there is, you're smeared with the oil of God and you get the instead ofs. So you get the instead ofs, they're yours, right? I want to jump down to verse 10 and then we're going to come back uh, to verse 4. So I want to jump ahead a little bit. Isaiah 61 is broken up into three parts. There's three kind of sections to Isaiah 61. So you've got the first part that we just read out. Then you've got the next part in verse 5, which will be strangers stand and tend to their flocks. And it's this whole bit about strangers and then this verse is important, verse 6. But you shall be called priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as ministers of God. So when you get the oil of gladness upon you, outsiders of the kingdom, so to speak, speak well of you because of the way you conduct your life. Right? There's a lot of Christians right now in our world that have been promoted and the crown that they're wearing, it's too heavy for them. Because I believe a lot of them have been promoted as orphans and not sons. And then they can't wear the, the crown. You shouldn't wear it anyway. You should just throw it at the feet of Jesus. But <laughs> Then at verse... Uh, 9 and we're going to get to verse 10 their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples all who see them shall acknowledge them that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed verse 10 so this is now the third part of Isaiah we're going to jump back to verse 4 in a second but this is where I want to sit for a little bit and let's just read it together verse 10 I will greatly rejoice in the Lord my soul shall exult in my God for he has clothed me with the garment of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress. So the language has changed to now bridegroom language. It's really important. So it's now talking about a wedding. Right? Super important. And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts... And as garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. I want you to, I want you to go back to verse 4, and then we're going to unpack this a little bit. In, this is like a three-part series. Don't worry, I'm not going to do it all today. Verse 4, so we know the first bring good news to the poor, blah, blah, blah. He sent up to bind up the brokenhearted. Verse 4 says, they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the, the devastations of many generations. I want you to catch this. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon you and you get the instead of. <clears throat> You're smeared with the oil of God. You're in the kingdom. The kingdom is within you. Colossians, it says you're transferred from the domain of darkness and 
transferred into the king's domain of his beloved son. So he's like, all right, I've put the kingdom of God within you. Now I want you to bind what is bound there and I want you to loose what is loose there. It's your role. I want you to rebuild the ancient ruins. I want you to, to rebuild the former devastations. I want you to go into the world and be salt, light and leaven and look different than the world but not separate so that you would not be influenced by the world so that you would influence the world with Christ in you. So many Christians, our prayer lives and the way we live our life are like, I'm a, we're so fear, it's fear motive as opposed to I'm living from a place of victory and I'm, I have the all-conquering king inside me who can be against me, right? Because he came to seek and save that which was lost. That's everything under the kingdom. There are strategies in our world for education, that have not been tapped into because we're waiting for God to rescue us out of something that he's told us to go and transform. There are strategies in the medical world. There are strategies in our political world. Daniel and Joseph tapped into this and Esther tapped into this way before anyone did. The most brutal man of the time, Nebuchadnezzar, is like killing people, throwing people into hot furnaces, and Daniel's like, I'm going to love that guy. I'm going to suck him into the kingdom, not be sucked into his realm. Come on. Right? So that when we, I believe, we as a church and as a nation, and I believe in the Christian world right now, we're in Isaiah 61.4. We're in the rebuild of the ancient ruins stage of life. I believe prophetically that is where we are. But the outcome is Isaiah 61.10. You will plant, you will exalt the Lord your God. He's clothed you with salvation. He's covered you with robes of righteousness. A bride and a bridegroom come together. And when that happens, the earth brings forth sprouts, gardens, and the Lord, not you, the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up from all the earth. Come on, that's, that's the Garden of Eden you and I have been restored back to the Garden of Eden in that, that's that language. I don't have time to show you that, but it, that, you just have to trust me on that one. The narrative of, our, of Scripture is always, if just, just think about it with me, you'll know this if you've, if you've been around a little bit. It's always heaven coming to earth and those two marrying. That's always the narrative. You've got God and Adam. Earth, heaven. They walked in the cool of the day. When, when they tried to get to heaven, it didn't end well with the Tower of Babel. And God scatters their tongue. And that is, a, they believe, historians believe that the, the tower wasn't tall, it was grand. And some believe it was a similar print to the, the temple in Jerusalem. So here, they're trying to get to God out of their own good works and become God. And he's, 
and God scatters their language. And in Isaiah 28, I think it's 12, he says, there'll be a day when they will hear an unknown tongue. Temple, scattering. In the upper room, they were in a temple. 120, and they all start praying in tongues. And every tribe and nation that was represented heard them in an unknown tongue. He brought it back. What did the devil tempt Jesus with in in Luke 4? He says, if you are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. And then he took him up and he showed him the holy temple. And then the next temptation, he said, I'll show you the whole kingdoms. I love it because Jesus is like, I am the son of God and I'm going to restore people to their rightful identity. I'm going to destroy the temple that you've made the Jerusalem temple. I'm going to tear that down. Not one stone upon that will be left. It'll be melted. The gold will be melted, which which happened in in, uh, AD 70. That's what took place in AD 70. The temple got wiped out. So he says, that temple of man-made tradition is no longer going to exist anymore because I'm making the temple of God my people. This person is the temple of God. This person is the temple of God. This person is the temple of God. And I'm going to deposit my spirit inside of them. And then I'm going to bring the kingdom that's going to rule over all of these kingdoms. Right? So the devil thought, here's my beautiful plan that I've got. And Jesus said, oh, man, you've got no idea what I'm about to do. Right? I love what Randy Clark says. He says, if the devil, I think it was Randy Clark, he said, if the devil had have known what he was going to do on the cross, he would have killed everyone that was trying to kill Jesus. <laughs> right? All right, we're going to do one more verse and then we're going to close. Go to Daniel. Go to Daniel 2. Verse 31. Uh, We're going to jump down. I don't have time to do it. I did a whole teaching on this last year. Um, And we're doing some of this in our new covenant course at the moment. But Daniel, he interprets the dream. He doesn't just... Tell Nebuchadnezzar the, the he tells Nebuchadnezzar the dream that he didn't. No, so Nebuchadnezzar didn't even tell him the dream. Daniel's like, this is the dream you had, and here's the interpretation, right? In verse forty, he says, and there shall be four kingdoms strong as iron, because iron breaks pieces, shatters all things, and like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw, the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron, partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong, partly brittle. Verse 43. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kingdoms... King, kings, sorry, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all those kingdoms and bring them to an end. 
This is prophesying. I did the whole teaching on this, but the Roman kingdom was a divided kingdom and they, at the time they had 10 kings and 10 provinces and 10, 10 kingdoms that ruled and they were intermarrying with multiple religions and Greeks and Romans and Persians. Like they were all intermarrying together. So the feet, the feet, the clay feet and iron feet, there's 10 toes. He says, in those days... In those days of those kings, I will, I will set up another kingdom. It's very clearly prophesying about Jesus. Just as you, and then it goes on, it shall break in the pieces those kings and bring them to an end it shall, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand and that it broke in pieces the iron, bronze and clay, the silver and the gold. That was the previous part of the verse that we didn't get to read talking about the other kingdoms, Greek, Persian, Medianites, all those. A great God has made known to the king that shall be after this, the dream is certain and its interpretation true. So here Daniel is saying, hey, there's going to be a, a stone cut out from a mountain, not made of human hands. Partly of earth, partly of heaven. The greatest marrying of heaven and earth that ever existed, that will ever exist, is Jesus. He's partly made of earth and partly made of heaven. Fully God, fully man. Born of a virgin, born of God, right? Fully God, fully man. He was the rock in the wilderness. He was the water in the wilderness. He was the cloud by day. He was the fire by night. It's Jesus. It's prophesying about Jesus. And he's saying, in those days, I'm going to set up a kingdom. It will never be shaken, ever. It doesn't matter who's in government. I want you to go and take what you have inside you and transform the world that is around you. Start to think higher. Don't wait for Jesus to come back one day. For so long, for the last 200 years, so many people have prophesied, oh, it's September 23rd, Jesus is returning. People wrote books on it. 1973, it's like, Jesus is going to come back. Hitler came. Jesus must be coming back now. What if for so long we've been just so afraid when we're actually supposed to be influencers of the world and not, I'm not talking dominionism. That, I'm not talking that, but I'm talking about that we would serve humanity in such a way that politicians would look at you and go, hey, I need what you're carrying, Maddie. That This guy's a strategic weapon. He is a strategic weapon, right? There's things on his life, I believe it, that he's called to influence business and strategy and different things. There are people in this room, counsellors. There are things that never have been done because we haven't thought bigger. In the, there's things in the education world. There's things in the creative world. I mean, the Queen of Sheba came and travelled just to see how Solomon laid out his knives and forks. That's weird. Do you know Solomon's temple would have been worth around $618 billion, they reckon, in gold. We need, we need to think bigger with finances. We need to think bigger with the way that we reach our, our children, the way that we, in all the realms of society, sport, right? It's not like God's like, all right, I'm going to pluck you out of the world and now you live this separatist life where you go and hide in a cave somewhere and, don't, you, know, and, and you never actually influence the world. No, no, he's like, I'm going to take you out of the domain of darkness. I'm going to put my kingdom in you 
so that you can be salt, light, and leaven to the world around you and actually be, be the light of the world. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Tag, you're it. I'm not saying we're Jesus. That's just what Jesus said. That's in your Bible. Don't quote, don't... All right. All right. <laughs> so here, the greatest, the man, the human, the, the mountain got cut out of... The stone got cut out of the mountain, not made with human hands. In those days, he'll set up a kingdom. That's talking about Jesus. And you and I have been grafted into that kingdom. We've been grafted in. And I'm going to to teach more on it in the coming weeks. But I really believe that we're in Isaiah 61.4. I really do. I really believe we're meant to rebuild the ancient ruins. And... You know, when you're, in the king, when you're the king's kid and you start to realise, you, you start, it's the, seeking first the kingdom means we have to take our eyes off ourselves. <laughs> it means we have to take our eyes and fix our eyes on him. Because he's got strategies, he's got strategies and insights into how to do family that have never been thought of. He's got strategies and ministries for women, for men. How to bring what he wants to do on planet earth. It's all encompassing. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is not just church. It's everything. If you're a, if you're a, a, a music, if you're a, say a sportsman. When, you, when, you're, when you're doing sport, you're doing it unto the Lord. If you're a stay at home mum. That's just as, that is as great a ministry being a stay-at-home mum as it is a Sam leading worship on the platform. There is no distinction. They are equally as good. Why? Because you're in the kingdom. And you can, Acts talks about it. It says you can pray food that's been given up to idols. You can pray and it's sanctified. You can bring, you can bring ungodly people and you can suck them into the kingdom because of the way you respond and the way you behave and the way you leak the kingdom of God in your workplace, in your family, with your neighbours that are annoying, with your boss that you want to throw a brick at. Change your attitude and bring the kingdom of God there. Don't wait for Jesus to come back one day. Because I reckon I have an inkling that the way this thing will finish will be different than we expected it to be. Just like the Israelites of old, the Pharisees, who studied the word and when he came, they missed him. I wonder if we've studied the word in such a way that we're missing what we're supposed to do and that's to extend the kingdom of God. And I'm not going to, people often preach like this and they're like, So what are the three, four points that you can give me? No, I don't have three or four points because the way that God will speak to you about the circumstance that you're meant to change and influence will be different to the way that I'm supposed to do it. I do know one point. Just get intimate with the king. Just do that. And then you won't be fearful about anything because perfect love casts out all fear. There are strategies with finances. There are strategies with all different realms of society right now. Do you know the guy that invented the aircon system was a Christian? He got a strategy from heaven one day just walking and God gave him a whole blueprint how to invent the aircon. 
Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. Everyone's like, well, what eternal value is that? What eternal value has the aircon system? God cares. I'll finish with this little story because it's fresh and then we are going to close. We uh, obviously, you know, we, we got a puppy, we got a dog, we got a golden kelpie. And um, we, I was doing a lot of the work. And as a lot of you know, we've got a fourth on the way. And so I said to our kids, I set them down, I said, hey, I'm doing a lot of the work. You guys need to, you know, you need to play with Sage, you need to feed her, you need to help out. Are you going to do that? And Charlie, who we thought, oh, she, you know, she, she was so excited when we got the dog. And she's like, I don't care, get rid of her. <laughs> I was like, Phew, that's harsh. <laughs> and, um, and I said, what about you, Alira? She was 50-50 and... Isla, Isla was, I don't know, she started talking about unicorns or something else. She's, <laughs> she's off. She's, she's hilarious. She's so funny. And, um, and so I, I said, oh, that's kind of one in three that wants to keep her. And Shen was great. She said, oh, I know you really love the dog. And she said, well, maybe we'll, do, we'll get another one another time. Or, you know, but I think we need to get rid of the dog. It's just too much on the family right now and everything else going on. And we just can't give the dog the attention that we needed anyway, the dog needed. And, and so, anyway, I said, oh, that's cool. That was Thursday night. Friday night, I went to Steve and Janita and, and Lael's home group, went to their home group. And Janita, is she here? Is Janita here? She's not here. She won't mind me saying this, I'm sure. She turns to me and she said, hey, how's your pup going? And I said, yeah, yeah it's good. She's great. Easy to train. You know, she's great. Uh, are you keeping it? And I, and I was like, my, anyway... You know when you're in a prophetic culture, you just don't want to give too much away. So I was like, oh, where's this going, right? And I said, oh, yeah, no, I was just trying to play in a coy a bit. And she said, I felt the Lord say when you walked in, that would be a great idea and it would be wisdom to get rid of your dog. <laughs> I mean, that's not a normal word that you would give someone, right? <laughs> and so I was like, oh, well, actually... <laughs> We had a conversation yesterday about, is this the right decision, da-da-da. And God, there is no eternal significance to that conversation, but our Father cares about what you care about. He cares so much so that he's like, hey, I'm going to speak to you about this, son, because you're my, you're my son, and you, you care about this, you care about this with your kids, you care about this as a family, and I'm going to speak to you and guide you and lead you in this conversation. People, there's people that might, there is no eternal significance. I believe all dogs are in heavens. Cats, I'm not so sure about. No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. But he brought, amen, amen. I'm joking, I'm joking. He cares, and when you are in the kingdom, you get to suck. You're like, hey, I'm, in the, I'm on this street. And so my street gets to experience the favour of God because I'm here. My business, like Metricon, gets to experience the favour of God because I'm here. Nebuchadnezzar got to experience the favour of Daniel that eventually he said, I'm going to worship the God of Daniel. Incredible. Do you want to understand?
I really just believe the Lord is going to shift our mindset from a rescue mindset to a rebuilding mindset. That we would rebuild the ancient ruins. I'm telling you as the senior leader of this church, I am not concerned about building this church. He'll build it. What does concern me though, is if we become so church-centric that we miss, and, we'll, and hear my heart on this, that we become so focused and fixated I believe in ministry, I believe in good systems, I believe in all of those things, I believe in healthy structures and all of that stuff. But the focus has to be the presence of God in, the, in here and in our personal lives as well. If it stays in this building, I believe it will come in this building in, in more tangible ways. That's what we're going after. We want a presence-centered place where people can come to. They can get healed. They can be set free. They can be delivered. They can encounter the love of God. They can get healing for their, their, uh, their spirit, their soul, their body. They can get full restoration of their life. And But if it stays inside of the four walls of this building, it will die inside of the four walls of this building. What you have been given by the Lord in the kingdom, you need to give it away because the more you give away, the more you get. That's just the way it works in the kingdom of God. And so I really believe that if we fix our eyes on the king and his kingdom, not on the sanctuary church and building the building, um, then, then we'll be okay. We'll be in a good place. And I believe he's going to give strategies to people uh, in this, I really believe right now even people are getting um, uh, entrepreneurial ideas. People are shifting their mindsets. There might be things in your life that you're like, hey, I've, I've had a stinking attitude towards this and I need to change my attitude. And I just believe watch what the Lord will do as you change your heart posture to bringing the kingdom into that circumstance. So I'm just going to pray for that and then we're going to close. So Father, I just thank you right now that you would release the, the seed the seed of the kingdom that grows, that, that yields and bears fruit. I pray for that, that seed, the seed that is, is, it cannot be touched, that imperishable seed that talks about in Peter. I just pray for that to be deposited into the hearts and people this morning, God. I thank you that you have set up your kingdom here on earth that you preach the kingdom, Father, and that you would help us to grow in our understanding of what that means so we can rebuild the ancient ruins so that these regions, these areas, the, the Yarra Valley, this state and this country can see the king and his kingdom be advanced. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, cool.